Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Six-yard field goal from Adam Vinatieri to give the Colts the lead. Here's the snap. Ball's on its way and is blocked. It's picked up by Tennessee. They're running the other way with it. They're going to score a touchdown. Tennessee blocks kick, and they run the other way, and they score a touchdown on special teams. That's Ty Smith. That's the second blocked field goal today by the Tennessee Titans, and the ball bounced fortuitously right into the breadbasket of Ty Smith who runs about 60 yards the other way for a touchdown. What a difference a month makes. Five and two and talking about playing for a bye to six and six and seemingly everybody wanted to talk about the 2020 draft. Yep. That's the Colts right here in 2019 as we reach the final quarter of the regular season. I'm Kevin Bowen back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner, Joey Molinaro. Um, still with us, which is amazing with how viral Joey's gone, <laughs> gotten over the last 72 hours. Congrats on that. Thanks, Joey. Man. Yeah. For those that Thank missed you. it, is Nick Saban impersonation. Worldwide leader. Worldwide leader. Saying, give me that. Nick Saban's daughter commenting on it? Yeah, that well? was my favorite because then I know that Mr. Saban probably saw it. Mr. Saban. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know. At the Thanksgiving dinner table, they were probably all laughing about it. At least they were. Probably he wasn't. I but was going to say, yeah. Yeah, I was excited about that. Yeah, he's probably still trying to figure out what happened there on that uh, punt, whatever, Gus Malzahn getting the best of Nick Saban over the weekend. But in all seriousness, congrats to you, Joey. Thanks, man. Um, happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners out there. Hope they enjoyed the time with their family and safe travels and, and watched a lot of football. Although the end of the weekend for our fan base here on Kevin's Corner they did not like at all what they saw, and I just can't believe how quickly it all unraveled, man. It's like 17-7. I'm like, oh, wow. Colts should be up even more. Yeah. And that's kind of what yeah. I felt like at 17-7, and then the 24 unanswered points, and I thought it was fitting at the end of the game. I looked down, and I couldn't believe how quickly the fans started pouring out of Lucas Oil Stadium, like right after the block kick and yeah. and the interception, of course. Um all of a sudden, they're just running for the exits, it seemed like. And it was like, that is a week four preseason crowd that just watched week four preseason execution out of their football team. I mean, the Colts ended that game looking like a team of guys that should go play in the XFL, AFL, insert yeah. your league here. Yeah, and, you know, they're probably a little scarred from uh, those fourth-quarter preseason games, what happens late in those games oh, uh, this year. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah, hey, if, if it's gotten this bad, it can only get worse right. from our experience. No, but in all seriousness, um, I was thinking the same exact thing. I was like, oh, typical Colts-Titans. I mean, all these injuries, Titans still can't get it done, and yeah. then the flip of a switch, dude. Totally different story. In every phase, and we'll get into that in things I, I didn't like and things I liked. It was... You know, it kind of felt like, Joey, all season long where we had those questions kind of like, hey, are the Colts playing with fire all these one-possession mm. games? And Yeah, true. I think we sided with – I think they are playing with fire. You know, you got to start putting teams away if you're going to be a legit playoff contender. And I think now we've seen it through 12 games. 
This is a mediocre average football team for a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons. Uh, but last year they won these back-against-the-wall sort of games. Now they haven't. They've lost 4-5. They need tons of help to get into the playoffs. And, you know, I felt like, I don't know, I, I, I felt like the 10-day break, yes, the Hilton injury was significant last week and something that we will touch on today. But That broke on Thanksgiving, didn't it? Yes, yeah. So we had the setback Wednesday practice. Chris Ballard announced it Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, that storyline of should Hilton play again this season? You know, they're listing them week to week. Yeah. Week to week for the Colts means weeks, you know, plural. Sure. That, that That's what that means. So a whole lot to get into on today's edition of Kevin's Corner. All right. Per usual, we got to start with things that you didn't like after a loss, and there's really nowhere else to start besides the kicking operation. For what, the umpteenth time this year? We're starting with the bleeping kicking operation. It's the new Andrew Luck shoulder conversation. Right. And, like, okay, you're talking about an injury to your franchise quarterback? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. We are talking about an NFL team kicking the football for really probably the seventh time this year. There's still four more games to go this season. It's – it's how is it not laughable? It's sad. It's laughable. It's everything. The block kick there, I felt like I was watching a high school. I felt like I was watching a high school football team. Like, that was the easiest block kick you'll see in NFL history. I so thought it easy. almost kicked the guy in the nuts. Yeah. I mean, it was like. It's almost like he could have caught it. Yeah, he could have yeah. caught it in stride and mm-hmm. just been like, or just literally been like, hey, Rigo, will you give me that? Right. Like, you don't even, Vinny, you don't even need a kick. Um, Joey, it goes back to what I've said so many times this season it's the refusal. Jim Irsay, Chris Ballard, Frank Reich. Mm-hmm. They have refused to make changes with that group. That has been the biggest issue, problem for this 2019 football team, that they have gone against their word of accountability, and it's not about one person, all of this, and here we are in week 13, it continues to bite this football team in the ass. They have no one else to blame but themselves for refusing to make any mm-hmm. changes. And this is place kicker on down. And on down, it was the 11-man unit we saw out there on Sunday. Let's start with Vinatieri. The two misses to start the game. 55-yarder in the first quarter, misses wide right. 52 or 53-yarder gets blocked. That was a terrible kick that had no chance of going in. You expect an NFL kicker to go one of two from 50 yards plus. I think indoors, I think that's kind of what we expect, right? You know, I feel like that's where we can lay the blame on Vinatieri. Um, Obviously, the 46-yarder there with about five minutes ago in the fourth quarter was not his fault at all. Yeah. Tennessee used a similar formation on all three missed kicks. They overloaded the side to where Vinatieri would be kicking towards. Um, so think of it as right hash, they overload the left side, uh, left hash, they overload the right side, you know, wherever he's kicking towards basically. So he could kind of feel that presence coming. He could see that, see it and feel it. Definitely. And again, the reason Tennessee's doing this because they know the Colts have had issues this season. So teams are now looking at the Colts kicking field goals and they're like, Oh my gosh, this this is a chance to feast, especially the long kicks. Uh They didn't do it on the 29-yard field goal. They only did it on on the three long kicks, knowing full well that ball's coming in low. Right. And if you watch and count numbers, the Titans had six guys versus the Colts four guys. 
and that group broke down. It was from outside in. It was Costanzo, Hunt, I think Grover Stewart, Quentin Nelson leading into Luke Rhodes. Marcus Hunt really took all the blame afterwards. To me, I feel like you block inside out. Like, I thought Costanzo maybe should have chipped down. For sure. On the D gap, D as in dog. Yeah. That guy was a free rusher. If you do go back and watch the the, the other two field goals from north of 50 yards, Hunt does kind of get a bit of a body on that guy that ended up getting free. And he pretty much said after the game, he got off balance, poor technique, and he was kind of man up on that one guy, and then boom, I forget the guy with the crazy name, something Shank, which is fitting. Um, He is the one that ends up blocking it, and then the easiest 63-yard return you will ever see. It's just an entire breakdown of that unit. And, you know, something we've talked about, Joey, is like going back to the Pittsburgh game with Luke Rhodes in the snap. When Vinatieri is missing kicks, it's now putting so much pressure on the rest of that kicking unit. All of them. Everybody else is getting the, you know, the curse is supposed to the tight butts out there. Exactly. All of them are like, holy shit. Oh, my God. Like, because they're all probably thinking, I got to whip my head up and see if the kick's going in. Because, like, right now it's a, you know, 60% chance that it goes in. Um, I couldn't believe it was the first time in franchise history. The Colts have had a a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's how many games now? Chargers. Steelers. Titans week two that they won. So. They, they've overcome two games yeah. this year. Titans right. and Broncos, they've overcome those in their kicking issues. They've lost, just straight up lost games. Chargers, Steelers, Dolphins, Titans. It's... Wouldn't happen at another another team in the league. No. That. No, I just, I, I, I don't get it at all. Um, yeah, man, it's... This is an organizational move. This is squarely on that. I know some people want Adam Vinatieri to have, you know, called it quits. And I'm really not going to fault a competitor in the middle of a season for having a clear mind, having a clear conscience, and knowing when to walk away. It's the Colts decision makers that have cost them now easily four games, and you Uh played with fire and two others. And, I mean, we're talking four games in 12 weeks, Joey. Yeah. That's a third of your season based off a field goal kicking operation. We are not talking about, you know, whatever. You couldn't convert in the red zone or you've turned the ball over late. Like very just up in the air things that happen in NFL games. We are talking about one of the most reliable parts of an NFL game. And I think one of the more, um, just one of the more easier to control parts to that game. And the Colts look like a high school team kicking the football week in and week out. It's a refusal. It's the steadfast just insanity of continuing to do the same thing over and over again. We talked about it after week one. We talked about it after week two. And here we are now going into week 13, continuing to talk about it. Another thing that you didn't like, Jacoby Brissett's interception. Both. Interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. Both. I mean, plural, you think about the one late that that, that really <laughs> killed it, but um, both of those just tough to overcome, man. It's so funny that you mentioned interceptions, plural. I asked Frank Reich after the game, um, what did you see on the block field goal? And he goes, which one? 
that's what sums up the Colts season. Mm. There's multiple block field goals in one game. That just Peter Griffin, uh, hand or fingers oh, under yeah. the eyes. Ah. Do it, yeah. Face, palm yeah. to the face emoji. For sure. Everyone, do it with me right now. Yep. You know, Come in the on. car. Well, maybe not in the car. Yeah. Oh God. Um, plural interceptions. You know, to think that at one point people asked us questions. Is Jacoby Brissett an MVP candidate this year? NFL's a long season, folks. Like, what were those? Only 16 games, but what were, a I long mean, like, season. You know, he, he's avoided those mistakes. And I should say, Jacoby Brissett, nice work in the first half. I thought took some took some more chances, just better recognition and finding guys in the zone. But the two interceptions in the second half, they were beyond boneheaded. Yeah. The first one is a little bit of a check down overthrow to Doyle. That's not trying to throw the ball deep at all. Let's not act like that interception was, hey, you all been saying throw it deep. Here it goes. No, that was a five-yard <laughs> pass that all of a sudden ballooned in the air like 10 yards, and Kevin Byard was like, oh, my God, thank you. I mean, you had about four or five seconds to get rid of that ball or to find something a little bit, whatever, easier and that ball sails three points, led directly. So good, good sudden change defense. Yeah. So now the game's tied at seventeen. And then after the block field goal, I don't know what he was thinking on the Zach Pascal interception. Got about four minutes to go in the game. Mm-hmm. It's a second and ten. It's one of the cleanest pockets he's had all day. And it would look like it was like a fourth and 15 with 32 seconds to go in the game at your own 25-yard line. Like just a force, yeah. force decision, double, triple coverage. Like, you know, and I'm, I, I'm not even like comparing Jacoby Brissett to Andrew Luck or whatever. Top 10 sort of quarterbacks. Like look at what Ryan Tannehill does after the interception. Third and 10. Mm-hmm. Throws a perfect ball, knowing full well that Kenny Moore just got hurt on the previous possession. They're going to take advantage of that. Tennessee's down. Adore Jackson in the game. Malcolm Butler's on IR. Um, the Sims kid, one of their other corners, is out. Like You can't expose their deficiencies in the secondary. And I know this is a personnel thing. It has played into this lack of a passing game for sure. But your quarterback has got to make better decisions. And in yeah. pressure pack moments this season – Jacoby Brissett has not delivered. I mean, that's now Oakland and Tennessee home games down in the fourth quarter. You commit a fatal error. Two turnovers lead directly to 10 points. And we're at the point of the season, Joey, where we're 12 games into it. We're seeing the quarterback take steps back, mm-hmm. not steps forward. Honestly, not even staying, you know, flat. I think we're seeing a few steps back from him and, but at the same time, Kevin, I'm sorry to interrupt. No. Uh, I was saying, I was talking with a few different people last week after the Houston game, and it was like, okay, this last month here in December, you you kind of want sink or swim if you're a Colts fan for Jacoby, right? Like, you don't want just kind of like teeter-totter, oh, one game pretty pretty good, looks like the guy, the next game, not a great game, right? Like, you, you yeah. want him to be the guy or to not be the guy to have an answer. See, you're looking at it from, like, how I kind of look at this season. We're probably not looking at it from how the diehard fans look at it. Yeah. They're looking at it from, 
Oh you got to win God, these games. Great yeah, chance to still fair. be in the playoff picture. That's like, fair. that's part of it. And there, there is a select part of the fan base that definitely, I think, probably looks at it right. from your side of it. Um, so there might be some people that are pleased, as crazy as that sounds, with how Jacoby Brissett finished that game yesterday. But there's also a large majority that's really pissed off. Oh, yeah. Uh, because you had a great opportunity. And your offense missed some great opportunities in the first half, you know, to, to cash in on the playmaking that your defense found, which we'll get into. A little bit later, but um, you know, I, I'm talking the monumental points of this season. Down fourth quarter, you got the ball. Here's your chance. Pick against Oakland. You know, pick against Tennessee at home. Um, that's fatal. Mm-hmm. You can't have that. He hasn't cleared that hurdle at all, and that's part of the checklist that you go down and evaluating a guy to see if he can be your franchise quarterback. So, um, we we are seeing. You know, I, I, I've i said it all season long. I, I didn't feel like Jacoby Brissett belonged in the top 20 quarterback, top 10 ceiling quarterback, wherever the Colts felt like he was. I think that's shown out here yeah. through the first 12 games as well. And, and what we saw against Houston, which I didn't really touch on this on last Monday's podcast, but I will touch on it today. The Colts were pretty pleased with how their wideouts played against Houston taking the Hilton drops out of it. They felt like they had open guys in that game, and the quarterback didn't take advantage of it. He was better in the first half yesterday, but then when you needed him to be consistent in the second half, when you needed him to protect the football, he didn't do that. And I think we're starting to see some issues as well in recognizing blitzes. You know, you you aren't making teams pay for when they blitz, and I thought that was quite apparent yesterday. Saw the defense make um, a few plays, but they didn't do enough. And, and in a game like that yesterday, you needed more from them. Yeah, Joey, and and I'm glad that we are um, we are mentioning this because I want to be crystal clear in, in what I mean by this. The defense was really, really good in the first half. Probably outstanding, honestly. You, I mean, you sack a guy five times, you create two turnovers. That's damn good defense. Oh yeah. But this is why I didn't like it. First off, we're obviously grading units on 60 minutes of football. Mm -hmm. And secondly, I'm grading that off a healthy defense. That is the most healthy you will see a Colts defense, hell, any NFL defense, all season long. And you gave up 5.8 yards per carry. And you gave up, what was it, 70 77%, I think he was. Let me pull out the old calculator here for Tannehill. 77. 17 to 22. Joey, you give up 77% completion percentage. You give up 5.8 on the ground. I I, I can't put the defense in the, they did enough for you to win the football game category. I just, I know it's, you know, whatever, 24 points. They were throwing in some sudden change that wasn't great. But, like, for how healthy that unit was, I can't absolve them of everything. Yeah. Uh, when you're up 17-7, that first drive there of the third quarter, man, I couldn't believe that stat CBS threw out that the Colts have allowed the most points on third quarter drive, the first drive of the third quarter all year long. It's kind of an interesting stat that dives a little bit deeper. Um, I mean, Tennessee converted a first and 20 on that drive. Leonard doesn't make a play on the big run by Henry. Tyquan Lewis continues to be invisible. Um, they just gassed you. 
they gassed you on that drive. And mm-hmm. I just felt like it was either sack or bust by the defense. They had one sack in the second half. They got gashed on the ground. Tannehill has the backbreaker on the on the whatever that was, 40-yard touchdown pass to end the game. And again, considering that group was healthy, I needed to see more consistency across 60 minutes, and I didn't see it. One thing we got accustomed to the last handful of weeks was the Colts running attack. I mean, they were running all over everybody anytime, anywhere, and yesterday that was one of the things that you didn't like. And I want to group this into um, the offensive line as well, Joey, when I'm talking about the run game. You know, coming into yesterday's game, you're down Hilton. You're down Funches. You're down Campbell. Ebron, Mack. I tweeted out before the game. It's like 50% of your offense from last season is missing. So in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, how do the Colts win this football game? They need their defense to play damn good football for 60 minutes, Mm -hmm. and they need their offensive line to show up in a big way. I just talked about the defense. Let's talk about the O-line here. 3.4 yards per carry. That's just not good enough. That's not good. 3.4 yards per carry when you're missing the pieces that you're missing is not good, especially when you kind of opened up the passing game mm-hmm. a little bit in the first half. Yeah. I mean, Jonathan Williams got benched. It looked like a halftime. Wow. You know, I mean, eight carries for 14 yards. He gets a holding penalty. He's breaking down in pass protection. And hell, it's not like the other running backs were better in pass protection. But, um, you know, you couldn't handle the free rushers. Some of that's on Brissett. Some of that's on the running backs as well. Just the identification was terrible. And, um, you know what was a big play in the game was uh, Nelson's holding penalty. Quint Nelson had a hold on the f- on the block field goal drive that put the Colts behind the chains into a first and 20. They get into the third and nine. Bursette gets sacked. 46-yard field goal. We all saw what happened. Um, yeah, it's just you got to have better from your intact, healthy units in those sorts of games. And, and and you missed just so many chances in the first. I mean, you had a legit, legit four field goal drives, four drives in field goal or red zone range in the first half, and you only scored 10 points. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just want to – it's not as obvious as kicking game or Brissett's turnovers or those sorts of things, but still, the bar for those groups are higher. They are set at a higher level, mm-hmm. and the Colts did not meet those on a- Even with the loss, Kevin, a few things that you did like. And one, let's start with the, like we talked about, defensive playmaking. Didn't do enough for 60 minutes, but certainly they had they made some plays. Still deserve mention, especially the linebacker group. You know, that, that, that playmaking, it was really incredible in the first half. You get the five sacks, Anthony Walker, the strip, Bobby Okariki with the strip. Uh, Leonard had a huge sack in there. I mean, that was the best – that's field position you dream of, dream to give your offense short fields, which was so needed in the um, in those issues. So um, that was tremendous. I wanted to make sure that we mentioned that. Yes, it was all in the first half, but uh, that was still something that I thought was noteworthy from this team. And, and, you know, that's part of what I think has to happen for this defense. I just don't think they're built to constantly force three and outs – or, you know, allow one first down and get off the field. No, they really need some of that playmaking. And we've seen more of it, I think, as of late. Didn't see as as much in the first half of the season. 
but I definitely wanted to note how good that, that, that playmaking was yesterday in the first half. And then lastly, we've been looking for this for a while as well. Chunk plays, where they've been. There was a few of them yesterday. Yeah, again, maybe I'm searching for, for positives a little bit, Joey, but I think we need to mention these things. You had a few more chunks. Brissett did make some nice throws in the first half. Better anticipation. And honestly, it goes back to kind of what was said, you know, after the Houston game. There are plays to be made in the passing game, even without some of these guys. You just got to make those plays. Um, and this is this was a baby step for this passing game. You know, I'm not here crowning it by any means. I mean, hell, I think out of all those chunk plays, they pretty much all happen in the first half. 21 yards to Doyle, 19 to Pascal, um, or excuse me, 20 to Pascal, 19 to Johnson. I mean, a lot of those, Marcus Johnson for 18, a lot of those came in the first half. Uh, but still, I, I it, it was not all horrific from Jacoby Brissett. I, I don't want to go there. Um, that touchdown to Jack Doyle was like so perfectly Frank Reich and Jacoby design. Brissett. Ooh, beautiful, you know? beautiful. I thought Frank had some really good designs. And, and, you know, there was a great ball to Doyle near the goal line that set up maybe the Hines touchdown uh, on, a, on a third down. Like, Brissett made some good throws yesterday. What, what were his final numbers? 25 of 40 for 319, a rating of 74. Oh, that rating's terrible. Yeah. But um, obviously some of that yardage came late. Mm-hmm. But still, I wanted to note there was some defensive playmaking. There were some chunks in the first half. That's why you had a lead. And um, now you got to try and build off that if you want to have any hope of running the table down the stretch. This is going to be brutal for a lot of Colts fans, probably all Colts fans oh, who are boy. listening to this. Um, well, just think about, you know, July 4th, you're sitting by the pool, you're barbecuing with your dad, you're talking about, boy, we're going to have Andrew Luck, we're going to have T.Y. Hilton, we're going to have Eric Ebron, we're going to have Devin Funches. Maybe that was a little, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We're going to have Devin Funches. Yeah. This offense, dude, let's go. And, uh, that wasn't happening on Sunday, but the main two guys that we've talked about or that we're going to talk about here is Hilton having a regression in his injury and then Funches being out for the rest of the year. You know, now the question is this, Joey. Do you just sit Hilton? <sighs> Man. You know? I mean, it's weird. If you look at the playoff standings and your Steelers with a huge win on Sunday not helping the Colts out at all, the Colts will not be officially eliminated for the playoffs for at least another week or two. Now, it's not great. Things are not in their favor, really, at all in several of their of their situations. But part of me feels like if Hilton is healthy and they're not officially eliminated, he's going to try and play. Yeah, yeah. So, but then when I hear setback from the calf, I hear re-injuring, I think to myself, Joey, you know, this was his first practice since he got hurt. Because remember, he didn't practice before the Houston game. It was it was walkthroughs yeah. that week. This was his first practice since he initially got hurt right before that Pittsburgh game. And you think about now four lower body injuries. I think it's like a quad, a hamstring, an ankle, and a calf in the last 14 months. Not great for a guy who, you know, his game is set on speed and no. agility and cutting. No. And- no, not at all for a guy that's 5'9", 100 and whatever he is, 80 pounds. So I think that's a legit question. Then Devin Funches, man, you talk about a long broken collarbone. Oof, I broke my collarbone. I have a broken collarbone. 
Have you seen that? Yeah, uh, yeah, you have shown me that one time. Yeah, you just yeah. showed me it again. That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> for for everybody listening, it it literally is a wing. They call it a wing. It's poking out of between my shoulder and between my neck on my right hand side. But um, yeah, man, I I know the collarbone is a can be one of those annoying, nagging like why can't I be out there yet injuries, especially it, when you have surgery. And you know, usually, and obviously, like that's not directly compared. Nick Foles's break to. Devin Funches' break, they both happened in week one. But, yeah, I know a couple guys on Notre Dame's team broke their collarbones this year. It, it tends to be like a two-month mm-hmm. sort of ordeal. Sure. And with Funches now, I mean, it's over three months. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's going to be with him staying on injured reserve. And for those, this is not opening up a roster spot. He's just got to stay on injured reserve. He's not on the 53-man roster. The Colts had a deadline by Wednesday. They will not activate him, Frank Reich said after the game. So he's going on IR, staying on IR for the rest of the season. People are like, oh, you know, people are obviously ripping the Colts medical staff. And as I've long said, you've got to evaluate this medical staff. I don't necessarily put blame on them for a bone not healing in time. But I find it odd that you brought Funches back to practice in mid-November. That kickstarts a 21-day window. Where you have to make a decision. Again, I'm no medical professional, but like, aren't you doing a scan before he gets back to practice and saying, okay, that thing will fully heal in one to two weeks? Like, isn't that kind of the thought process? My thinking is, why do you even start the 21 day window? Why not leave him out till, you know, last week? Maybe that 21 day window, then the bone would heal within that stretch if you just activated him on November 28th. Instead yeah. of November 13th, mm-hmm. that's the only really question I have about this. Now, Frank Reich said yesterday that thing wasn't even close to getting healed. Like maybe it wouldn't have healed. Maybe it wouldn't have healed at all right. here in 2019. So the short term and long term, Devin Funchess' injury news kills you short term and then long term. I mean, what, what do you do with him in free agency? Do you run it back for another one year deal? I mean, D- does he want that? Yeah. Does he want another prove it contract at 25? Is there some team out there that will give him multiple years? Uh, does he want m- more security? You know, clearly Frank Reich had a, had a role for him and, and wanted him. I never thought the fit was all the way there with, you know, horseshoe guy and all that stuff. Like, I, I didn't think it was totally checked all the boxes with Devin Funches, but. I don't know, man. It's one of the odder kind of free agency situations you're going to have. And no matter what, Hilton, as he goes into the final year of his contract next year, 2020 will be the final year for him, wide receiver remains a huge need. A massive, massive need for this football team. And, hell, Chester Rogers was on crutches exiting the locker room after yesterday's loss. Looks like the bench on Space Jam when they're getting ready to start from halftime, you know, yeah. and it's like, oh, man, what, or before halftime, before they get the secret stuff. Uh, all right, man, so I'm sure we're going to get a bunch of questions, a handful of questions about draft needs, draft yeah. wants, yeah, 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 at yeah. six and six. Now, do you want to do some Twitter questions? Yes, sir. Let's do them. All right, from uh, Mac Mia Sandwich, if the Colts cannot get one of the top talents in this draft class at QB as Cam Newton a reasonable pickup. He'll, um, he'll be a free agent. Rumors of him wanting out of Carolina due to the promotion of Kyle Allen are swirling. No, no. Um, I'm kind of over the whole uh, quarterbacks with serious injuries. Yeah, I was going to say. You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. I, Jeez. I don't know about you, man, but um, yeah, I, I, 
I think a move at quarterback is not like a Teddy Bridgewater, Kirk. I don't know. Like I, I don't know if any of these quarterbacks are on the trade market or Andy free agents. Dalton? Yeah, I mean, like that's that to me it just makes me oh makes me kind of want to bang my head against the table. Like if you're gonna start over, go freaking draft yeah, somebody. Really, go find over. the next guy that goes on the side of Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, Cam Newton maybe would fit el- elsewhere. I don't think he's fitting here, man. Drew Rush wants to know, well, he says, we know Ballard loves them picks, but do you think he'd be willing to lose some of them in order to move up to draft a quarterback? I think he would, Drew, and obviously this is a big question in terms of how much and and, and all of that and where the Colts can be drafting, you know, which is kind of a crazy thought to be thinking thinking about, but I know that's what my mentions are filled with right now. So um, I do think he'd be willing. And, Joey, how many times have we said that on this podcast? You know, during the trade deadline, people are like, the Colts should be buyers. And I'm like, okay, you can buy, but I don't want to give away any of those top four-round picks. You know, I kind of am like, you might still need that. Right. You might still, still need that know. ammo. Yeah. And you have the ammo. And honestly, if the draft started today, I think you'd be at 17. Where was Lamar Jackson pick? 32. You know, where was Deshaun Watson pick? Where was Patrick Mahomes pick? 17. Ten, you know, it, those guys aren't in the top ten. I'm not saying you need to go to one. No. I'm not saying you need to go to three. You know, Love, Herbert, Tua falling. You know, front, whatever. I need to do more research on that group, but you don't really need to mortgage it crazily. This isn't RG three. This isn't Ricky Williams. Like, yeah, you don't need to do anything too crazy to still find that possible answer. Lucas Robbins asks, are you on board with the Colts uh, drafting Chase Vinatieri next year? Am I misreading this? Is this a joke? Oh, yeah. He's got a nephew that plays at South Dakota State. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Drafting Chase Vinatieri next year, or do you think the Colts should trade for Young Ho Koo to be our new kicker? As much as I love Adam Vinatieri and know that the last blocked kick wasn't his fault, the kicker has to be addressed next year. Well, yes, it does. Yeah, Adam Vinatieri cannot be kicking for the Colts next season. Um, I don't know, Joey. I'm probably still on like the. I think I've watched this kicking abomination all season long, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> Am I watching like you know Western Boone in the Class Two A state final game kick? Yeah. Like, what is this? And I feel like I finally committed myself to saying, go spend a seventh round pick on a kicker, which I don't think I, I've been there before. But it's just been such a like a. Uh, what the? F- what? We're still talking about this. Got to that point. Yeah. We're still talking about the freaking kicker in week thirteen. Yeah. So I think I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, all right, commit a draft pick and never talk about it again. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> let's not bring it up for the next ten years. From Casey, might have missed this, but any word from the Colts on why Williams didn't touch the ball in the second half? Yeah, it's a good question, Casey. Uh, what I say, eight carries in the first half, um, none. I don't. I don't know if he played a snap. To be honest with you, offensively in the second half. I'll ask Frank Reich that later today on the conference call. Eight carries for 14 yards. That's a 1.8 average. That's mm-hmm. not great. Uh, I believe he had a holding penalty and pass protection as well. So, like, it just wasn't all good. You know, for it wasn't even close to good yeah. for Jonathan Williams. So, a little bit surprised he didn't even see the field. You know, Wilkins and Hines gave you a little bit more, although they both had some issues in pass protection. But... I just think it was a lack of production and, and the screw-ups in pass protection. 
Zach wants to know, doesn't Chris Ballard shoulder some of this blame? He made an emotional decision to keep Vinny over a business decision. It seems that's how locker room gets fractured and how fingers start pointing. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, Chris Ballard deserves a lot of blame. Yes, so yeah, a, a ton. Um, and Jim Mercer and Frank Reich as well. You know, I think if any of those three were steadfast and had a very strong kind of stance on Adam Vinatieri, I think the move would have been made. I do. Um so, yes, this is without a doubt probably the biggest black eye on the general manager through these first three seasons. You know, you can nitpick and say, ah, oh, Scott Tolzien in 2017 or, like, oh, the, you know, believing in the O-line or obviously the wide receiver issues now for another offseason. But um, I would say just, yeah, I mean, when you're that be- – when you've benched – I mean, hell, Jonathan Williams got benched during the game yesterday. Like – you are benching guys right and left, yet you continue to say, "Oh, we're good there. We don't need to make any changes." Not well. I mean, I asked Frank. I can't tell you how many times I've asked Frank Reich that this year, every week. Frank, any personnel changes to your kicking unit this this week? Again, I say any. Like, don't have to be kicker, right? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. You're gonna change how you block. You're gonna change how you snap. You're gonna change how you hold. Like anything. And his response: We're good. I have all the confidence in the world. You know, like that. It's just. It's so out of left field for Ballard and Reich. So out of character yeah. for them. Because I think both of them are really good at their jobs. I, right. I do. But you see this, and I'm just like, God, who has, you know, poisoned the Colts' decision makers? Uh, from at Colts with Grant, why are people the way they are? This means why must reasonable critiques of Jacoby Brissett be met with accusations of hate and thinking he's trash? While in actuality, he is okay, and that's not enough. Yeah. Frank, yeah, Frank, I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. Jacoby Brissett is a nice quarterback. Um, That, to me, is kind of a bottom third of the league starter. Mm-hmm. Can you win eight games with him, nine games with him? Yeah, but your team better be damn good around him. Colts aren't that. More than likely, you're probably about a 500 football team, and... um. Good spot starter, good, great backup, great backup. And so, yeah, I'm not sitting here saying, like, get rid of him. Oh, my gosh, trade him. He's a can't. No. Like, no, that's that's ludicrous. Jacoby Reset is not terrible. But, again, if you're evaluating a quarterback of, like, because I'm, I always come from the, from the premise of this. When we talk roster building with the Colts, we talk about the expectations that Jim Ursay and Chris Ballard have laid out. Ursay wants three straight Super Bowls. Ballard wants sustained success. So, okay, with those expectations, that means quarterback has got to be damn good. Mm-hmm. It's got to be top 10 good Yeah, if you want that. And I don't see Jacoby Brissett doing that. Brett Stockglausner asks, so are we doing at least another full year of Jacoby or drafting a quarterback in the first three rounds and developing him? I think you might be doing both. The odds, you know, I think I'd say better than 50-50 Jacoby Reset starts week one next year. I mean, because all those guys sat, right? I mean, well, Watson sat until TJ Yates or whoever the starter was just got bludgeoned in the season opener. But, I mean, Mahomes sat. Lamar sat. Like, there's a good chance Jacoby Reset probably starts the majority of the games next season. Um, So, I think you can do both. You know, right now... 
I'm not sure how the Colts can evaluate the quarterback situation and think they don't need to draft a quarterback in the first three rounds. First three is probably the cutoff. Yeah. You know, that's that's probably the cutoff. I, I would think, without a doubt, and, and, and think about quarterback this is, when you find your guy, you got to go get that guy. Like, you can't expect that guy to come to you. Chiefs. Yes. I mean, yes. Amen. Thank 100%. you. 100%. You know, Chiefs, Texans. Like, when that guy is there, you have got to go get him because I think everyone around the NFL looks at the Chiefs and Texans and think, man, they risked it, and they paid. It it paid off. I mean, even the Ravens, you know, to a certain extent, sure, they didn't go up to number 10 and get him, but 32, first-round pick, you draft Lamar Jackson, you already have Flacco, who, you know, three years before you give that extension to. So, you know what I mean? It's still that just like, hey – we get that you have to live in the here and now, but you also have to have that on what's next. Yeah, in the desperate need meter, Texans, Chiefs, Ravens were not at full throttle, like oh. bleeping red and alarm sound. No, but they saw an opportunity to go make a move, and they made a move. And those three franchises, the three teams you're going to have to get through for the next five to ten years in this conference, right. it paid off for them. I mean, hell, New England has invested a lot at quarterback I think the Colts are the only team in the NFL to have not drafted a quarterback since 2012. Wow, not even a, not even a one. I think Seattle drafted one this year, and I think they were the first. They, they were the other team that's kind of had that long. But yeah, everyone. I mean, and all, obviously, a lot of those teams have drafted multiple. Yep. Like this one from Stan Cal. He wants to know what traits are most important to you guys when it comes to finding a franchise quarterback. And the more interesting question: How have those criteria changed when watching quarterbacks besides Manning, Luck, and Roethlisberger? For me, lead your teams. Great question, yeah. per usual from Stan. Um, feel free to chime in as well, Joey. Yeah. I will say accuracy, innovation, and innovation can probably be mobility thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Anticipation. Yeah, and I guess when I say innovation, I probably also throw in a little bit of arm strength with that because, like, I think innovative, I think of, like, you create something off script, which usually means you're fitting a ball into a crazy window, mm-hmm. th- that sort of thing. But, yeah, I'd say accuracy, innovation. Um, What else did I say? Uh, mobility. Anticipation. Anticipation. Um. And the mobility factor, again, that's kind of like, to me, that's the off-script nature of the innovative yeah. part of it. I love to grade, like, moxie and, like, fourth-quarter stuff. And, like, I don't know if you could take a deeper dive in analytics and, like, two-minute stats and red zone stats and third-down stats, like, those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, those are the things that stand out to me. Yeah, I mean, all all of those come into what I'm about to say of how how good do they make the people around them. You know, yeah. How, how much better? Yeah. You know, because how often did we see Peyton Manning throwing to Blair White or Austin Collie? And I mean, these guys are putting up numbers. Or Andrew, Andrew Lux. Lux Whiteouts last year. I mean, yeah, Andrew. Exactly. Last year, or, or you know, for in my instance, Big Ben with uh, uh, Mike Wallace back in the day, or even a Juju Smith-Schuster. You see how much he's dipped, you know, in, in this year without the help of a quarterback like that, and you know, for other reasons. But I, I, I look at that big time as just like. When you get these random wide receivers and running backs who are having career years and popping off, it's definitely not going to be that way if they're playing with a Jacoby Brissett, with a Mason Rudolph. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, mm-hmm. So that that's a big thing. It's like, okay, if they have the ability to do that, whether it's their rookie year, third year, eighth year, that's when it's 
the guy. But I think Stan brings up a great point. We have to look so much at traits because, like, stats, Jordan Love throws 32 touchdowns and six picks two years ago, and now he's more picks than touchdowns, I'm pretty sure, this season. I think I think on Saturday he completed, like, 50% of his passes. I was just talking NFL level. Like right, right, right. Here, but I, I'm I mean? talking about – because all these people are like, okay – Trubisky's resume in college versus Mahomes' resume in college, whereas, yeah. like, Watson threw all these picks, but, hell, on the biggest stage, he delivered. You know, it, it's very difficult. Sure. You have to look at tra- – like, same thing with Manning. I mean, Manning is rookie season. I mean, he had the most interceptions in in NFL sure. history for yeah. a rookie quarterback. So, I, I, I really think it's a lot about traits when you're evaluating these quarterbacks. Um, God. Great, great question, Stan. From Ben, what's the level of expectation for this franchise? Assuming it's the Super Bowl, do we have the sack to make the necessary moves? Win big or lose big? That's the only thing that isn't rewarded is mediocrity. The only thing that isn't rewarded is mediocrity. I think Ben's great. I mean, I I think Ben is spot on there. Kind of just what we talked about, you know? Are you willing to risk it? And look. The Colts have the second-round pick that's sitting there at number, I guess, Washington won on Sunday, so that's not good, but sitting there in the mid-30s. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily going to have that in 2021 or 2022. Yeah. Like, that's not growing on trees every year. And when you start getting to, like, 9, 10 wins, then you're mortgaging an entire draft to move up. So when you compare the draft capital with – the depth and and the pretty elite talent it seems like is there in 2020 with this quarterback class. This seems like this would be the time to make that move, but yeah, I think you got to risk it, and I think you got to risk it this offseason. Cody Fowler says this year is over, but the sky isn't falling on the franchise. Young players are flashing. Big Q, Leonard, Willis, Hooker, Mac are pillars you can build around. Great GM good coach who will improve and tons of resources to get better who would you agree the future not who would you agree the future is still very bright yeah bright um very bright i think to say very bright you'd have to have a quarterback in place i i I think it's bright for sure and cody just laid out all those reasons to go very bright you'd have to have an answer at quarterback for me and i guess the other thing joey is this i need an answer at the passing of the torch spots that was a popular phrase we used last year around the draft. Pass the torch. I'm talking left tackle, wide receiver one, defensive end one. I don't, I don't see obvious answers. Maybe Ture, maybe Campbell. Stress on maybe for both those. Uh, no answer at, at left tackle. So that's where I go with just bright. Like there are a couple more answers that need to be given to me, provided to me at the critical spots, quarterback being the most important, before I sit here and I'm like, you know, ESPN just came out with their top teams for the next five years, and the right. Colts are number one on that list. Like, that's where I stand. Let's see. from Bailey. Bailey says, does this special teams coordinator still have a job? Congratulations to Joey for getting some recognition from the mothership. Thanks, Bailey. Uh, so does the special teams coordinator still have a job? Do you think he's kind of a scapegoat, Joey? If you fire Bubba Fendrone? <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, we got to do something. So, uh, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, you out. Right? It's yeah. like, hey, we're going to keep the head coach. We're going to fire all the coordinators. Like, that's what happened to Greg Minuski here in yeah. Indianapolis. Hey, Chuck, we're going to keep you. 
Uh, and we're going to keep Ryan Gregson, give four-year cinches. But, uh, yeah, Greg Minuski, he's got to go. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's right, like. Right, right. So, um, I don't know. It's. I don't blame Bubba Ventrone for any of the individual place kicking, place sure. kicking, like right leg of Vinatieri. Where you do offer blame is the field goal protection unit, uh, a, a missed snap. If you look at the return numbers, though, they've actually been pretty good this year. So I, I guess someone's got to go. Someone's got to fall on the sword, if you will. I, I, I guess you you do fire Bubba. I mean, hell, you fire Gouge. <laughs> for what? Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't. Well, like you said, I mean, all these teams now are realizing, okay, here's what we're going to do. and We're going to have a heyday on special teams. And in terms of loading up, how do you, how is there no counter? Why is there no counter? Right. I know. I, I just think it's so, it's not all on his shoulders. Like, it's funny. When I've talked to Bob Ventrone a few times this year, I kind of walk away with, like, he's like, what do you want me to do? Like, it's Adam Vinatieri. What, am I going to tell him to start kicking the ball differently? Right. Like, he's turned 47 years old in a few weeks. So, where you do offer blame is with, um, certainly the block field goal yesterday. And some might argue that's a fireball offense. You know, just point blank period. Like, that moment of the game, they, 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 they tried the same thing against you the first couple kicks. Yeah. And you let that happen again? You know, no, no corrections? But if you look at the three blocks Vinatieri's had this year, I'd put two on him. I'd put Pittsburgh, Cam Hayward, and uh, the first block yesterday yeah. on him. So I I get it. I'm sure Bubba Ventrone probably will get fired just because someone's got to go, but I don't know if I necessarily agree with it. Matt Baker asks, over-under for the Colts' first-round pick, 16 and a half. So right now they're 17 at 6 and 6. Sounds about right. I've been saying eight and eight all year. I think I'll stick with eight and eight. So you're going? I'll say slightly over. You know, seventeen or eighteen. If you're five hundred right now and you're picking seventeen, I'll say you pick seventeen or eighteen. So the rest of the way, though, you're thinking New Orleans, Jacksonville, losses. <laughs> Definitely New Orleans. New Orleans, Carolina. Hell, Tampa Bay. New Dude, Orleans. that that second loss could come Sunday. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have Hilton or Mac, true. Tennessee's won two in a row. Or, excuse me, Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay. Yeah. Tampa Bay, so Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, my God. <laughs> Winston's thrown five more picks than anybody in the league. My favorite stat line was last week when Jameis Winston was 0 for 1 with one interception. <laughs> <laughs> and yet they still come back and win the game, obviously. Because, uh, like, yeah, Winston's going to score 25 fantasy points for you somehow. Um, yeah, I'll go with 8 and 8, and they're picking 18. I think they did that a few yeah. years ago when they drafted Ryan, Ryan Kelly. Kelly. Correct. Uh, from Bob, does adminitary's struggles and their refusal to address it cause any issues in the locker room? Does it hurt Ballard's credibility? We kind of hit on it. Hurts credibility, issues in the locker room, I think it does a little bit. I know some people disagree with that. It's definitely people in the Colts organization. I don't know. I, How can I not? Like, way, I feel like there's a, a little bit of whispering in that locker room, kind of like, man, they keep on effing up like that and <laughs> they continue to come to work and cash checks and yeah. you know guys get benched in game and all this stuff and a little breaking news here from adam Schefter: uh season ending fracture for chester rogers oh so that goes off of the crutches and knee brace that we saw from him Jeez. leaving the locker room on sunday tough man tough yeah. tough tough yeah. All right, uh, iu fan in texas did you foresee this fall off the cliff after the five and two start 
Injuries from skill positions were surprising to me, thus causing much of this. I also didn't see Vinny being a liability, considering the start of the season. Extremely disappointing to this fan. The rapid decline, I don't think I saw. Um, I don't think I saw that. But, I mean, all along I've kind of felt like it's a 500 football team. But, again, just, just the, the, the rapidness and the fact that it's come during a kind of a manageable part of the schedule. You know, when we did beers with Bowen in April, hell, even in August, when we did beers with Bowen, when we talked about the schedule. It was always that first five weeks, man. Yes. If they could just survive that right. first five weeks and then you sit there after beating Kansas City. I mean, it is. It's definitely not what any of us expected at all. No. And that's such a good point, Joey. Again, a month ago, you're five and two. You're talking potential buy. Literally. And you got a stretch of Pittsburgh and Miami and Jacksonville and Houston and Tennessee. Like you're thinking, okay, three and two, maybe four and one right, in that right, stretch. Right, right. Now you've lost four or five and and you know, a couple multi score losses in there, and it's just like I don't know. It's just starting to unravel yes. a little bit. And, and the injuries on offense aren't aren't helping you at all. It's kind of got that like Murphy's law. Uh, type of feel of like anything that can go wrong will go wrong Dude, at this point. Uh, we brought up Murphy's Law earlier this year, and I, I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. Yeah. Remember? I think we were talking about Newton's Law and Murphy's Law. Right. And, yeah. Um, water finds its level. And I just felt like this is a 500 football team this season, and, you know, with a quarter to go, they're a 500 football team. All right, this is from Matt. Is this Vinny's last year? He says, I think so. If it is, do you try and sign someone like Zerline or find a young kid? I think young. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't say I've spent one minute looking at the free agent kicker market. But, uh, yeah, seventh-round pick, I'm fine. Tie me down. You'd have to tie, if I were a GM, you'd have to tie me down yeah. to draft a kicker in the seventh round. But whatever, tie me down. Call in the pick. Uh, from Gordo, if when officially eliminated from the playoffs, do they throw in Kelly and see what he's got? Should they? Chad Kelly we're talking about here. Hmm. Hey, you know, number little six magic, little third string quarterback, Duck Hodges. What do you say? I think Duck and Chad would have a good time if they partied together. Yeah, they will. Um, I I would be very, 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 uh, very surprised if the Colts put Chad Kelly in as their starting quarterback at some point this season. Yeah. Um, having said that, should they? I go back to the whole being eliminated from the playoffs. Like, there's a there's a decent chance the Colts even enter like week 16 still with a 1% chance of making the playoffs. Sure. Like Pittsburgh's got a tough finish to the season. Yeah. Um, Tennessee has got Houston twice and, and new Orleans. Like if you win all four, which I know is if times new Roman size 96 point font, there's a decent chance that you make the playoffs, maybe better than decent. Uh, now one loss and, and you really start, you know, packing your bags and calling the airlines. No one calls the airlines anymore. Changing your flights to, you know. Yeah, on the Southwest app. Yeah, right, December 29th or whatever the first day of the offseason is. So, um, should they put swag in there? I, I think deep down the Colts know who Chad Kelly is, and they would never give him the keys to be the franchise quarterback. I, I just think deep. Shouldn't give him the Okay, nope, nope, nope. No, I just think literally deep down they know, like, Okay, Chad's a nice player, talented guy. You like to have him as your third quarterback, but like the day you hand Chad Kelly a five-year, hundred million dollar, you know, contract, 
I just could never see that happening. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Jacoby Brissett needs more evaluation. He probably deserves it, but like we're 30 starts into this. Don't we kind of know what he is? That's what a lot of people are saying. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta I just, don't know. I don't know if they should. I mean, for entertainment purposes, sure, but I don't think they will. There's, I mean, there's so many Chad Kelly key jokes that I want to make right now. Yeah. It's like a sneeze that I'm just going to have to hold in, <laughs> and it's going to bother me for the rest of the day, but that's okay. Just sitting there on the tee for you. Yeah, from Craig. Uh, he says, how fitting we lose another game because of the kicking game. Yes, established. That marks at least three games we have lost. Since Bowden and Reich preach accountability, what do you think will happen? Will anyone lose their job? This would not have gotten to this point in New England. Who asked that? Craig. Craig. Uh, that's a fair question. Uh, will anyone lose their job? I mean, I guess Adam Benatari won't be brought back. I mean, like, you know, like, what is firing Bubba Ventrone going to do at the end of the season? By golly, that sent a message. After mm-hmm. you caught your unit cost us four games this year, now we're going to fire you. Like, whoop de the freak do. You know, it's like you had a chance. You had a chance back in week two. It was alarming. It was glaring. Oh, yeah. You played with fire. You somehow got to one and one. You could have made a move. Would that have been a difference? Would you be eight and four right now? Would you be seven? I mean, one win, if you beat Pittsburgh, that is a that changes everything and mm-hmm. how the playoff standings look for this football team right now. So I don't know. I don't really know if it matters after the season. Alex says the season being what it's being, is it safe to say that Jacoby got scared slash the moment got too big for him? Scared of losing the potential starting job because of mistakes, and if so, who's more to blame for that? Jacoby or Reich for drilling it into his head that mistakes would not be tolerated? Is, is that a thing? Has has Reich done that? I don't think Reich's ever said, like, mistakes will not be tolerated. I mean, no, I, I don't think it's that. I think it is, like, let's try to live in a more of a high-percentage world, but... yeah. Look, Frank Reich, you can, we, everyone can go back and watch the film. There's plenty of all-22 film where Frank Reich is dialing up some big-time plays down the field. Like, it's not like no one's running past 15 yards. There are plays to be made. So, I don't think it's that. I just, it's weird, man, because Jacoby threw the ball deep and threw it well deep back in 2017. Um, Yeah, I... I I wish I had a better answer for you, but I, I just think it's – I don't know if it's scared moment. I just think this is kind of who he is. So I, I actually kind of like Jacoby's temperament. But, you know, when those moments do arise, I just don't know if he's a talented enough quarterback to make the game-changing plays and come back when your team's down and you've got the ball and things like that. So that's why I look at it. I don't think it's intimidation of Frank Reich or anything like that. Elijah had to go here. Uh, I like this one to end on here, Kevin. He says, if luck was our quarterback this year and not Brissett, what do you think our record would be after this Titans game? Also, do you personally think he wants to come back after watching Brissett struggle this season like he has? I'm shocked. That was the only one of those questions we got. Yeah. (laughs) All right, if Andrew Luck's under center, what's their record? I would say um, I'd probably set the bar at nine and three. Nine and three. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Nine and three. Um, I mean, hell, they've really been in every law. Did they get blown out of any game? I don't think I mean, the so. Titans ran away with that one, but it was Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, you had a, you had a field goal to take the lead with five minutes to go. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I'd say nine and three, and pro- I'd probably be at the I'd probably be the low end. Honestly, I think most fans would say ten and two, two or yeah, 11, yeah. better than that. So, um, yeah, I'll go with nine and three, and then what? What's he asked me? Do you think that he wants to come back at all because of the recent struggles of Jacoby Brissett? Watching those, I I don't think watching Jacoby Brissett struggle will influence Andrew Luck's decision at all. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I've laid it out several times, and I'll lay it out again. Andrew Luck coming back to football is threefold. He sees a locker room celebrate afterwards, and that makes him jealous, like he was jealous back when Jacoby became the starter in 2017. So does that creep back into his mind? It's like, I love that. That's missing. I can't recreate that. Like, does that scratch his itch? Him finally being healthy? Does that make him all of a sudden have a new, oh, my gosh, my body feels better. I'm good. I'm good. I wonder what that status is of that, you know? I think pretty good. It's not like so this too. injury needed surgery, right. you know, or things yeah. like that. And then lastly, um, Lucy Luck. One way or the other. Maybe Lucy Luck will make him say, I want to be on the couch more. Maybe it'll channel his inner buddy of mine that's got a couple kids and say, you changed the first diaper. You want to get back in the locker room? Get me out of here. Or just, you know, sh- show your kids. Show your kids what dad used to do. Sure. So those are the three things. I don't think the struggles of Jacoby Brissett has anything to do with that. Right. I don't know if you watched the press conference when Luck retired, but he was struggling quite a bit himself. So I don't know if he's going to say, yeah, I'll take somebody else's struggle right. back onto exactly. my shoulders. Give me that burden. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, man. That's it. I don't know if you got any more. I got one. Okay. Colin just sent this in, and Colin always has great insight. So I just want to seek this in. I haven't really read it. Maybe I'm repeating it, but. He goes, maybe too late. What's the new threshold for Colts kicking decisions? The operation has become so detrimental to the point of not just costing Indianapolis points, but rewarding opponents with points. That first to fourth down math likely has to change. Will decisions change in December? Joey, this morning I was filling in on the fan morning show, and for those out there, I'll be filling in every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday this month. So um, you can join us on 107.5 The Fan. 93.5 93.5 The Fan, listen online, um, 7 to 10 a.m. We got a question of, should the Colts start going for every fourth down? When with, it's in their own, or in the opponent's territory. Yes, every fourth down when field goals arise. Yes. The guy hung up, and I started laughing to Big Joe, the co-host, because I said, Joe, this question is actually legit. There's validity to a person asking that question. Sure. I don't laugh him off the air. I laugh him because, holy shit, we're asking that question and we're not hanging up on him. Sure. That kind of goes off Colin's point. Colin brings up great points. Like, do the analytics of John Park and and, and George Lee and, and the Colts diving deeper into all these things and when they should go for it and the really green situations and the yellow situations. I might ask Frank Reich that question this week. Like, um. Please do. As crazy as that sounds, do your struggles and lack of confidence on fourth down, does that influence how the green stuff looks? That is a fair question. I I don't know. I don't think we've seen Frank Reich one time this year go for it because he has lack of confidence in the kicking unit. I, I don't think so. Yeah. I think Frank Reich is naturally very aggressive. So, I don't know, man. Holy shit. What a... What are two questions to end on? Yeah, for sure. And hey, I mean, last month of the season can't hold anything back. Let's go. Fifty yard a- lot fifty yard line and in. Why not? Fourth down, yeah. You know what? Treat it like 
your high school kicker is on the soccer team and the soccer team's got sectionals and you've got you don't have sectionals, so you don't have a kicker. Let's do it. You have a good Thanksgiving? I did. Yeah. Um definitely like like we hit on off the top, kind of unexpected with, with how that all went down with uh, the video, but um was definitely can't that complain awesome. about it. It was fun, it was cool. Um David Blau. Yeah, I got to yeah. watch him. That was really exciting. Uh Purdue lost in the bucket game, which was not great, but it was an exciting game. I took Purdue plus seven. Okay. I was happy. Good. Yeah, I definitely didn't expect him to score that many points with the weather being the way it no, was. Not but at all. double overtime helps with that. So no, man, it was it was it was good. It was full of uh, family and football. You know how we like it. So, yeah, I probably watched 500 minutes of football on oh, Saturday, man. and yeah. I'm not mad about it. No, not at all. Even I, Friday too. I love how on Friday of Thanksgiving week they load that day too. Yeah, it's a full day. Of I could have used one more juicy game on Friday, but I'm probably nitpicking a little bit. It's like you get two um, Saturdays on the last week of yeah, the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously the Egg Bowl, the guy pissing in the end zone. LOL. <laughs> um, Ole Miss job now open. Tom Allen back to Ole Miss. Whoa. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm going to keep an eye on. All right. Monday, Thursday schedule this week and next week. Then the Colts got a Monday night game. Then we get into Christmas, and we'll readjust things as well. Okay. But uh, let's go Monday, Thursday, the next two weeks. What? Let's, let's end on a positive note. Colts make the playoffs, win all four, three away from home. Pittsburgh lose two, Tennessee lose two. That's what you is. need. Okay. Start praying. Do whatever you need to do. He's Joe Monero. He's going viral. We'll see if he's back on Thursday. Uh, I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.